Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I take full responsibility for everything this government has been doing in tackling coronavirus, and I'm very proud of our record. Tens of thousands of our citizens have died avoidably. These were unnecessary deaths because of systematic government misconduct. With good British common sense, we will continue to defeat this virus and take this country forward. There are a lot of green shoots of opportunity on the horizon. You know, we've been held down on the forest floor for far too long, and we will reach that canopy again. Hello, happy Monday. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now we'll begin with the impact of the virus. The government looking at reducing the length of time people have to self-isolate if they've been in contact with a positive case. The Northern Ireland Secretary, Brandon Lewis, has admitted uh, his teams are considering cutting the quarantine period from the current 14 to 7 or possibly 10 days. This will be scientifically led. We're learning more about the virus every single day. It's still a relatively new virus in terms of disease. And as we learn and the scientists are able to gauge us, we can look at whether we're able to reassess that. We're not ready to make a final decision or announcement on that yet. And the government also considering cutting quarantine times for arrivals from abroad. You can just hear the travel industry cheering at that potential outcome. Uh, This follows evidence of poor compliance with the quarantine rules, a study from King's College London uh, found that only 10.9, I say 11%, had stayed at home and isolated for the two weeks after being contact traced. So a very low uptake in terms of staying at home if you've been abroad. Mm, and there was this slightly odd line in the Sunday Times over the weekend suggesting that perhaps people coming in to do big business deals might not have to... Um actually quarantine at all. I can't see that going down well with people who are concerned about elitism, but perhaps we'll come on to that if and when it develops. Meanwhile, a spot of good news. The AstraZeneca and Oxford University COVID-19 vaccine has produced a robust immune response in elderly people, according to the Financial Times. These latest findings echo data released in July that showed the vaccine generated immune response in healthy adults aged 18 to 55 years. Yep. And then, of course, we've got the row over the free school meals. That seems to be going nowhere as half term kicks off in England today. So today's papers contain a load of reports about a climb down of varying degrees from the government. That's after several Tory MPs publicly criticised the government's handling of the issue. Well, let's speak to one of them now. Joining us is Tim Loughton. He's the Conservative MP for East Worthing and Shoreham and a former children's minister as well. Tim, great to have you with us today. Uh, You have called for free school meals to be brought back in time for the Christmas holidays. Should we extend that even further and just have them as an ongoing policy during the holidays while this pandemic continues? Well, I think this is a special measure, and it was brought in um, uniquely by the government back in Easter. They did it through the Whitson holiday and through the uh, summer holiday, and I think that was greatly welcomed. So I just couldn't see why at this stage with the pandemic still a huge uh, uh, issue that we shouldn't carry that on through half-term and Christmas and then review it in the uh, in the new year. Because the, the circumstances haven't changed. A lot of people are still being affected by the pandemic and a lot of people's earnings are being hit because of it. So I think it was a bit of an own guide by the government not carrying on the good work that it had already done. 
Well, you, you abstained on the motion, I think. Would you would you vote in favour if Labour brought the similar motion in again? Uh, well, yes, but it's not about what Labour does, and there's a whole load of politicking going on here, and a lot of mischief uh, making, I'm afraid, by the by the Labour Party. This this wasn't a vote on legislation we had last week. It was purely. Uh, a motion brought about by the Labour Party to cause maximum embarrassment and congratulations. That's what it's what it. I want the government to reconsider and to come back with uh, a scheme which means we can continue the free school meals programme or something uh, even smarter than uh, uh, than that for holidays into next year, as long as the pandemic is a real problem. And some of us have said this to the government. Some of us have come up with possible schemes that they could use based on the Eat Out to Help Out scheme as. Uh, well, and given all the pressure there's been from a lot of my colleagues, I hope that the government is, is going to reconsider. Yeah, and I mean, I, I want to get back to the politicking of it. Uh, politicking of it. Uh, you say that this was a bit of an own goal, that uh, the Conservatives essentially slipped up on the Tories, uh, on Labour's banana skin. How has the government misread the public mood so badly on this one? It seems like an obvious well, solution. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing for all of us is um, we can um, accuse the, the, the government of not splurging money uh, around for those people who absolutely need it. I mean, the pandemic's cost something like £215 billion pounds, uh, so far. We've had an additional £9.5 billion pounds on additional welfare benefits, including an extra £20 a week for everybody on universal credit, which is really important, gone down uh, really uh, well, and that is being um, continued. And problem is, all for the sake of what would have cost 20 million over the half term, albeit another 20 million, all the good work and all the good things going on elsewhere have been completely over overshadowed. I can see why the government uh, has done what it's done. It doesn't want to carry this on indefinitely. I agree with that. The, the scheme was brought in when the schools weren't actually open um, properly earlier in the year. They are now all open. But the problem is, once you open Pandora's box, very difficult to uh, to close it again, and for the sake of all the hassle and the the backlash there's uh, there's been, it would have been so much easier just to carry this, uh, this this on. But but to make the government's point, which I'm sure you're very well aware of, they are saying it's not just um, you know not handing money out everywhere. They're saying it is covered in the amounts of money they're giving through to local authorities to to, to help people, and therefore targeted more than perhaps a, a wide general uh, grant of, uh, of free school meal vouchers, which many people, and there's certainly been allegations that this has been misused. Uh, that should be the case. And just last week, the government made an additional £63 million available to local authorities for welfare assistance funding. My own authority here in Sussex got almost three quarters of a million pounds. The problem is for many of those authorities who've really suffered, despite the additional money from the government, because of the costs of pandemic, it's actually going to top up other shortfalls uh, elsewhere, rather than necessarily being able to go to the to the front line on some of these cases where it uh, uh, where it should uh, should go. Free school bills is one of those sort of totemic things, almost like the National Health Service, where everybody uh, acknowledges it, recognises it, and thinks it's broadly a good uh, a good thing. It is open to uh, uh, to abuse, the vouchers during the uh, uh, the holidays for a, for a small number of people. That's the that's the case, which is why. You know, the government could have thought a bit smarter about how to come up with alternative schemes, for, which were even better, as I've uh, I suggested. So, uh, hence, this whole issue has just become about free school meals, £20 million for a half term, and it completely dominates everything else. That's bad politics, but actually doesn't help a single uh, child in uh, living in, in poverty who needs the, the assistance that is there, but not necessarily getting it at the moment. 
Yeah, and I, I take your point that it's a nuanced issue. There's more than one solution to the problem. Uh, what do you make of your colleague Ben Bradley's comments that the vouchers over the summer holiday effectively sent cash directly, as he put it, to a crack den and a brothel? Uh, well, I think Ben has been taken hugely out of uh, context. And, of course, the media love leaping onto comments like that. And I'm not going to um, defend any other colleagues' uh, comments. So I think many of us have just made it absolutely clear that the government's done a lot of really good work. The free school mills was one way of, of carrying on that good work. It is open to uh, to abuse, so we could uh, uh, could refine it, but it just caused a huge amount of trouble by not carrying it on. And it's grief that the government doesn't need at the moment, and it's grief that's detracting from all the other good work that it's done elsewhere. Let me ask you um, about the, the wider issue which is coming up today, which is to do with getting people to abide by the rules that are there, particularly, of course, in relation mm. to quarantine. Um, the government effectively is saying, well, let's reduce 14 days maybe to 10 or 7 because people won't do 14 rather than being led by the science. I mean, it doesn't suggest particularly a, the government leading more following. No, I, I disagree with that. And I think, and, and I've mentioned this in Parliament several times recently, and we had in front of the Home Affairs Select Committee, which I sit on last week, a number of chief constables responsible for instituting uh, enforcement, who some of whom were a bit confused about what it uh, actually involves as well. There are three factors the government has to take into account. It has to listen to what the, the scientists and the clinicians are telling them. It has to listen to what the economy is telling them and the huge impact of pain this is having for business. And it also has to listen to what is sustainable in the public consciousness. And I think one of the reasons right at the uh, onset of the, uh, the uh, pandemic and the, the initial lockdown was we needed to come up with something that was convincing that the public would abide by. It was no good coming in with completely draconian laws right at the beginning. The public says, that's ridiculous. We're just not going to, to abide by them. And the longer the, the restrictions go on and the longer the pandemic uh, um, hits, it's more and more difficult to persuade people that they need to continue to take notice and abide by these regulations. So it's got to be a balance. And I think the one thing the government hasn't done well enough is to explain absolutely why specific restrictions are necessary, the science behind them, and the impact that they are having and how many people's lives are being saved or how the, 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 the pandemic has been restricted uh, in spreading as a result of it. And I think a lot of people want to say, well, okay, what actually is the reason behind that? And if you're told that, then I think more people would say, all right, I get it now, we'll make those sacrifices because we can see it's going to lead to a, to a benefit. And I think that communication message has, has not been handled right. as well as it could have done. Uh, and clearly one missing piece of this puzzle is a functioning test and trace system. Is Dido Harding doing a good job there? Well, it, it's really frustrating, isn't it? I mean, we're now doing something like 350,000 a day, which is more double what most other European countries uh, are doing. We've spent an immense amount of money uh, on it, and yet we're still told that uh, it's not tracking as many people as it, uh, uh, as it should be. And I think this is all part of the, the problem about the public's confidence in the measures being uh, taken. And I think we just should have been, certainly earlier on, much more uh, upfront about what the track and trace system uh, can do. And I think there's been quite a bit of of over-promising and up-delivering. And it is a really important part of the, the battle against the, uh, the pandemic. So I think the, the government needs to seize that, the agenda on, uh, on this one, be absolutely transparent and clear as to what the system is doing, what it's supposed to be uh, doing, and how people can make sure they do comply with it, because certainly not enough people uh, are then following some of the quarantine restrictions that should, uh, uh, should ensue um, 
from it. We need to be tougher on that. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Let's have a look at what else is making the news in the world of politics. And, Roger, we start with Brexit. Yes, just when you thought it was safe to come back uh, into the water. We begin because talks with the EU have been extended into this week as the British government is indicating some optimism about a deal. An official told Bloomberg the EU chief Brexit negotiator Michel Barnier had been due to leave London yesterday, but he's staying on for discussions till Wednesday. That said... The government hasn't uh, let up on its demands for more concessions from the EU, so we shall see. Uh, yeah, and lots of stories going around in the uh, the Sunday papers around Macron and Merkel and just how much they're giving way, specifically Macron in terms of fishing, that being one of the big sticking points, of course. Uh, then we've got more on free school meals. So you've got lots of local authorities in England, including some Tory-run councils that are giving food vouchers and parcels to children as half-term starts. That, of course, comes after the government refusing to extend free school meals over the holidays, despite that campaign from the footballer Marcus Rashford. So you've got Bournemouth, Christchurch and Pool Council saying they won't uh, let children go hungry. They say they're going to provide parcels from today. And the Labour leader of Birmingham City Council also pledging to provide 61,000 uh, young people with meals in a scheme that will cost them between 800,000 and a million pounds. Uh, and I suppose the interesting and somewhat ironic thing is the Conservative argument was that this should fall on councils. And as a result of them not extending, it is. Yes, and they think that they've given the money to them to do it with, which is what they must be using, I suppose. It's a strange world, politics, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Centre for Cities has been talking about jobs. They talk about deserted high streets, city centres which are hampering Britain's jobs recovery. The city, the think tank, the jobs site Indeed as well, has found that seven months after the nationwide lockdown was imposed, job vacancies have just failed to return to pre-virus levels in all 63 towns and cities that they analysed. Job postings in London are down 52%, while overall UK vacancies are 46% behind last year's level. The report suggested areas where high street footfall returned to normal more quickly have seen a faster recovery in jobs vacancies. Yeah, I had a glance over this report earlier on, and there's some really, really stark regional variations, which would be very interesting to get into. So we've got to talk about that at some point. But now the health secretary, Matt Hancock, saying that he can't rule out the prospect of new fourth tier coronavirus restrictions for England. The government top scientists saying they're not confident that the base level of tier three restrictions, that includes pub closing, uh, school staying open, is enough to bring down the rate of infections in the places where we have those particularly high numbers. So that follows YouGov's research that showed the British public overwhelmingly backing a national circuit breaker lockdown and 40% saying the UK's current measures 
do not go far enough. Well, to talk about this, we're joined by Sarah Prescott-Smith. She's a political research executive at YouGov. Sarah, good to have you. Uh, talk to us then about the details of, uh, of what you've found, people thinking that these restrictions are not going far enough. Yeah, exactly. So the story of the pandemic really has been that the public generally do support restrictions if the government can explain why we need them. So as you said, an overwhelming majority, that's 67% of the public, would support a short circuit breaker. Um, and like you said, people don't think that restrictions at the moment are going far enough. Um, so yes, the government perhaps would have a lot of support if they were to move into this into this circuit breaker. Um, what about the government's regional strategy? How are people thinking about that? Are they Do they think that this idea that, that you have some things in some places and that works? Or is it that actually it's better to have the national uh, lockdown, which of course Labour has been pushing? Well, it's actually the former. So again, a majority of Brits support separate lockdown measures for different locations. So around 60% of the public are supportive of that. And then when we look at devolution as well across the nation the public tend to favor devolved governments making decisions for the devolved countries so it suggests that the government strategy of different rules for different locations is a relatively popular one for the public uh, and what about the government's handling of the crisis uh, on, on sort of a competence uh, metric we've seen that from various pollsters coming down is that the continuing trend here yes unfortunately for the government whilst the uh, public are quite supportive the restrictions that doesn't seem to be translating through into support for government handling overall so it's pretty bleak reading for the government only 32 percent of the public think the government are handling the coronavirus crisis well at the moment and around 52 percent think the government are making the wrong decisions at the moment so what about when people think this is going to be over do you get the sense of of of, of morale <laughs> compliance all those kind of things how that's all working i mean I, i've heard it said again and again people are tired of this uh, wish it was all over, doesn't it? We all. But how is that reflected in the kind of things people are saying to you? I mean, this, yeah, as you would expect, to be honest, uh, people are getting a bit tired and, and I, people don't really know when it's all going to end. So when we ask, you know, what do you think the future holds? People are very uncertain. As, as you would suspect, none of us really know what's happening or how long this is going to go on for. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you hear it so much anecdotally spoken of as a, a, just a year we have to rule out. And I wonder whether things are going to change as we enter 2021 if we don't get a vaccine and, and stuff starts to seem like it's going to linger for a little bit, whether that will will, will change uh, people's assessment of the government's uh, performance. What about Labour? Are they managing to capitalise on this situation? I mean, we've seen them increase in the polls again. Is that something uh, that, that you're hearing as well? Yeah, so the latest voting intention figures have the Conservatives and Labour Party pretty neck and neck. So 39% for Conservatives, 38% for Labour Party. Um, Keir Starmer seems to be performing relatively well in when we ask who the public thinks would make the best Prime Minister. Um, so just a few more pe- uh, percentage of people think that Keir would do well, um, would make the best Prime Minister over Boris. So perhaps, yeah, it is translating into a bit of support for the Labour Party, but I think Overall, the public are pretty uncertain about whether it would be um, handled better. Now, what about the issue that we've, we've certainly heard quite a lot about in the last weeks, which is to do with, well, you mentioned there the popularity of devolved administrations, but the extent to which that that could lead to a breakup of the UK. Uh, we know there was some, so it was some polling from Scotland suggesting much greater support for, uh, for withdrawing, for, for independence. Are, are you getting a sense of how people are feeling on those sort of issues at the moment? 
Um, it's something that, yes, we definitely will be keeping an eye on in the future and doing some more polling to see where uh, the devolved nations are on this and whether they do think that it is a call for, um, you know, independence. But it's hard to tell at this stage. What we do know is that generally the uh, Welsh population, the Scottish population, do tend to think that their own devolved governments are handling the crisis a bit better than the, uh, the UK government. Okay, and what about the uh, the business side of things, the financial side of things? We had a third um, announcement from Rishi Sunak in, I think it was over the space of a month last week. So a, a lot of quick fire financial announcements. They're going to affect a lot of people, uh, and a lot of them were geared towards people, particularly in in tier two areas that were impacted to some degree, but not as bad as others. Are, are these people now feeling supported, like they're being heard, and like their businesses and their jobs are safe? Um, I don't. I don't think there's a general feeling that uh, they're feeling overwhelmingly supported. It's something that we're going to keep an eye on when we do some more polling. But uh, what we do know is that the population gen- generally thinks that the top of the government's priority should be keeping things like schools open, and the bottom of the priority list for most Brits are keeping pubs and restaurants open. So perhaps something for the indication for the government of what they should prioritise at the moment. Uh, Sarah, one of the interesting things in all this has been the, the the way the government's been trying to get people to keep eyes on each other in a way. I suppose it's part of the enforcement strategy. Did you Have you had any sense of people, the way people are feeling about whether their neighbours, whether their friends are obeying things, the extent to which even they are prepared to obey the rules? Uh, and those sort of feelings there, if you like, I suppose, the, the kitchen curtain twitching uh, element that's <laughs> out there. Do you get a feeling of that? That is a very interesting question. Um, I don't think we've done anything specifically on whether the pop- uh, whether the public are you know willing to dob in their neighbours or tell on people if they see a seventh member of the po- of the party going into the household. Um, I mean, the, the suggestion that the public are quite overwhelmingly in support of lockdown restrictions, you would think that they would then be quite supportive of following these restrictions and perhaps making sure that their fellow friends and family members are also following them. But uh, specifics of that, I'm afraid we haven't yet hold on, but it's definitely a good idea and something that I think I might go back and suggest that we do. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.